Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haprasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. Praise God. Are you ready for the Word of God? Why don't we pray together? Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your Word, and we honor your Word. Your Word is like our spiritual food. It's more sweeter than honey, Lord. We want to receive the Word of God, and we want to grow spiritually. Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit will open our spiritual eyes to see the truth of God, to receive the light from heaven, and open our heart, Lord, to yield to your word, and help us to be doers of your word, not just hearers, because we know, Lord, that as we are doers of the word, we shall be blessed, and we shall be full of joy. We thank you, Lord. We love you, and we honor what you want to say today. Anoint me, Lord, and anoint everybody in this room to receive what you need to say to your church. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I would like to continue the sermon from two Sundays ago about serving the church. I'd like to read the scripture to review a little bit and go on. First John chapter 3, verses 14 to 15. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. How can we know that a person is really a born-again Christian? We don't judge by quoting scripture or by just sitting in the church on Sunday. We know that a person really born again when he has the love of God on the inside that will flow out to love other people, to love the brothers. Verses 16 to 17, the Bible continues to say, By this we know love. How do we know love? Because he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and see his brother in need, and shut up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? The Bible continues to say that as we know love, we have the love of God. How do we know love? The true love, the real love, is demonstrated by the life of Jesus. He laid down his life for us. And as we have the same love on the inside, the Bible says we ought to lay down our life for one another. In other words, we should live our life to bless, to help, to serve, to give to our brothers and sisters. In conclusion, we as Christians, we, all of us, have Christian duty. We have the Christian responsibility. We have the Christian service to do in this life. Some people think that, and I was one of them when I was a new believer. When I just got saved, I thought that just to be a Christian means to know Jesus, to read the Bible, and just to sit in the church on Sunday. The church is so lucky that at least I show up 
on the church on Sunday and sit there for one and a half hours and went home. That's all I did is to show up in the church and went home. I did not understand about Christian service at the beginning because I was a baby Christian. Babies don't understand about the word work or responsibility. If you ask babies, uh, help mom to clean up the dishes, the baby will just look at your face and do nothing about it. The baby just needs to be fed, to be held, to be loved, but have no idea about service, responsibility, and work. Unfortunately, many Christians have been sitting in the seat for many, many years and never get involved with laying down their life for brothers or serving the church. And they remain babies until they die and go to heaven. So we don't want that kind of situation in this church. We want to grow up. In order to grow up, we cannot just keep feeding ourselves with food and sit on the couch watching TV. If we don't exercise, we will not be healthy. We just keep eating, sitting, and do nothing. We're going to be sick. As Christians, yes, we need to come to church to be fed, to receive the word, to be touched, to be healed, to receive the blessing from God. But you remember Abraham say, bless me so that I can be the blessing to the nations. It's not just stop at you. You are blessed, you are healed, you are saved so that you can be the blessing to the brothers and sisters to show love to them. All of us, when we become a new believer, we don't know what to do yet as the servant of God. But as we are willing, God can open the door for us. God can tell us what to do step by step. And we should do like that boy that gave five loaves of bread and two fish to Jesus Christ. The little he had, he gave to Jesus. You may say that I'm not as powerful as that TV evangelist that he can heal people. He can do all great things in the TV. I agree. We are not that great. But we can start from little we have. We have a little bit. We give to God. Our time, our voice, our smile, whatever we can do, our ability to repair car, to do the computer. We give that little, little gift that we have to Jesus. And he could multiply and bless so many people around us and even people around the world. And as we give, as we serve, we will get better. We will grow up more. We can develop and become more mature as we step out by faith, and give, and serve, and we develop, and we grow more. The key is the willing heart. We need to be willing to step out by faith, to serve the Lord, and to serve other people. We are not in this world just to wait to go to heaven, die, and get to heaven. No, we are in this world with the calling, with the gifts, with the grace, that we can use all those gifts and talent and ability to bless the church, to bless the brothers and sisters. We are not just sitting around here to do nothing. And we need to have a willing heart. Do you know why we need to have a humble and willing heart? Everyone say humble. Everyone say willing. Because when you start to serve the Lord, you will feel uncomfortable. So you may tend to want to quit because you feel embarrassed, you make mistakes, you don't know everything, you make mistakes. So you may feel embarrassed. You need to be willing to do it, even though it's not easy. Many times, you 
need to do something that you feel uncomfortable. You may be a manager from a big company, but the church say we need somebody to stack up the chair, pull up the chair and stack it up. And you say, I'm a manager of the company. I'm not going to do that stacking up the chair. Actually, in my office, I tell people to stack up the chair, not me. But the church say, no, you stack up the chair. We need you to stack up the chair. So are you humble enough and willing enough to stack up the chair? Even though in the world system, you are the manager, you are the doctor, you are the CEO of a company. So when you come to church, you need to humble yourself and take off your worldly honor and say, I'm going to serve. I can sweep the floor. I can blow the leaf on the parking lot. I would do anything that God called me to do. Little, little things that I can give. Amen. In order to be able to serve and show love or lay down our life for brother and sister, we need the commitment. You need to come to God like this. Lord, I am committed. Here am I. Use me. This is what I have. Multiply these things and bless the people around me. God cannot anoint nothing. If you sit at home every day watching TV, God will not be able to anoint your life because you just sit there doing nothing. But when you give your life to God, you give your voice to God, you give your hand to God, God can anoint your hand. God can bless your hand. God can bless your voice. God can bless your money that you use to give people, your car, your house. You may not do everything right at the beginning. For example, you may get up and say, I'm going to go to the hospital today to pray for my brothers who are sick in the hospital. You go there, maybe the first time you pray, lay hand on the sick, you pray in the wrong way because you don't know what to pray yet. But that's okay. God, look at your heart. At least you're doing something. But as time goes by, as you keep serving, you keep learning, you keep building your faith, you're going to improve. You will pray better. Maybe you pray the first hundred people, no one get healed. That's okay. You keep praying. You keep studying the Bible. You keep growing in the faith. And maybe the number 101, the person get healed because you keep praying, laying hand on the sick. Don't give up. God, look at your heart. You say, God, use my mouth to pray. Use my hand to lay on the sick. Use my home to serve other people because you are willing to. And you keep doing and using the little thing that you have in your life. Amen? Actually, as a doctor, I love to see people get healed. Every time I heard that people have a cancer or sickness, I'm telling you, I have a very holy anger on the inside of me. And I hate sickness. I want to see people healthy and strong. But many times I pray for people and they don't get healed. I don't blame God. I don't blame myself. I say, I do my part. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing God. And many times God heals people. Sometimes God doesn't heal people. That's okay. I just keep laying on of hand. I keep praying for people because I'm here to serve and I want to be used of God. Amen. The love of God motivates us to see the needs of our brother and sister. The love of God will rise up in our heart to cause us to have compassion and want to do something to help our brother and sister, to have a strong desire to get involved, to take the burdens out of people's life. That strong desire comes from the Lord. Don't take this sermon in the wrong way. I'm not trying to put law on you. I'm not trying to push you to serve God. It's not about legalism in the church that you have to do this, you must do this. No. 
but it's about the love of God that is in your heart that moves you, that compels you, that stirs you up to serve other people, to lay down your life for other people. It's not about the law. It's about the love of God on the inside of you. That love motivates you. What is the difference between sympathy and compassion? Sympathy, just feel sorry, but do nothing about it. But compassion is caused by the love of God that caused you to move your hand, to move your legs, to pull out the checkbook, to go and serve, to clean the house for somebody, to take care of somebody's baby so that that mom can do something that is necessary for her life. You just move by compassion, by the love of God. When the love of God moves you, you see people don't have food to eat. You give them food to eat. When the love of God moves in your heart, you see people have no clothes to wear. You give them clothes to wear. The love of God motivates you to go to the hospital to visit somebody who is sick. The love of God motivates you to go to the jail to visit some brother who may be persecuted and put in jail because they proclaim the name of Jesus. The love of God motivates you to help somebody to pay for the apartment bill because that month they don't have enough money to pay bills. The love of God motivates you to drive your car to pick up somebody to come to church. You are willing to spend your gasoline bill to help because of this attitude that you are moved by the love of God. Then you begin to move in faith. God, I have faith that you're going to make me prosper because I know that in order to fix problem for my brother and sister, I need money. You cannot fix it for free. You need money to fix things. If you don't even have money to pay your electric bill, how can you fly to another nation for the mission trip like China? How can you fly to China to, for the mission trip if you don't even have money to pay your gasoline bill? Therefore, you need to have faith that God, you will do everything to meet all of my needs. All of my bills will pay for. My house mortgage will be paid off. And so that I have extra finances, you know, I'm still working hard. Even though I have all the reason not to work hard at this age. But I still work hard because I was thinking I want to have finances to do the mission trip, to fly to Europe, to fly to different countries so that I can pull out my checkbook to write, to bless that pastor, to bless that church because I want to have extra finances to be able to help, to serve, to love, and to give to God's people. It's okay to be prosperous for the kingdom of God. Amen? When you are moved by the love of God and you see a problem, you see a need, you see a situation, your heart is moved right away and you pray, God, what do you want me to do with that situation? Do you want me to get involved or you want me to ignore it? And if God says, yes, get involved to help, I give you an example. I heard that a big country in the world need teaching so much. A team came to me and said they really need teaching. The love of God moved me. I gained nothing. I don't sell my CD. I don't sell the teaching. It's all giving. The love of God moved me. I asked God, what do you want me to do? And he said, bless those people in that big nation with the good teaching from this church. Then I began to record the teaching in that language and send to that nation so that 
the pastor and the believer in that nation can receive good food from our church. You see, the move of God moved me, and we can ask God how much I need to get involved here, half of it or all of it. God, I'm ready. Use me to bless your people. I want to be moved by the love of God. The Bible says clearly, it is more blessed to give than to receive. If you want to live a joyful life, you want to live a blessed life, you live a life of serving, taking care of people's burden, fixing problems for people, there's nothing on this planet that is more enjoyable than to give our service to other people and to take burden out of them. When you see people have a burden, you say, let me get involved to take the burden out of you. That is the life of giving, the life of serving, and the life of helping people because we are motivated by the love of God. First John chapter 3, verses 16 to 17 is not just only for the preacher, but it's for the, all the believers that everyone should live this kind of lifestyle. Lay down your life for your brethren. Serving, giving, helping, taking burden out of people. Amen? God may not use you as a preacher like me. God may use you in a different ways. You all have gifts and talents to offer to the Lord. First John chapter 3, verse 18, the Bible continues to say, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Love must be in action. You cannot just say, yes, I loved you. You need to take action to do something to love and serve. Come to this point, I don't want you to feel condemned. I don't want you to feel that this message condemned you. Condemnation undermined the purpose of God in your life. Don't feel condemned at all. We are at the different stages of Christian walk. Some of us are babies. Some of us are more mature. And we could have done better and differently in the past. We cannot change the past. We cannot look back to the past anymore yesterday. But we can do something today. And we can do something about tomorrow. So in the past... Maybe you don't serve enough, you don't get involved, you just come to church and sit around, don't serve. Don't let this message condemn you. But the whole purpose of this teaching is to help you to understand what is the real meaning of being a true disciple of Jesus Christ. The true believer has the love of God on the inside. And that love will compel and move that person to lay down his life, to serve, to give, and to bless other people. That is a true trademark of Christianity, is to walk by faith and in love. We should not feel bad about the past anymore. Let's start today. Let's start to serve. Let's start to get involved. Find the ministry that you can get involved in the local church. We cannot go back to the past anymore. I want to remind you one thing. Life is so short. The Bible calls life as a vapor or a mist. It comes and goes very quickly. You may be busy. You get up in the morning, get dressed, go to work, come home, cook, eat dinner, take a shower, go to bed. Next morning, you wake up again, you get dressed, you go to work, come home, cook, wash dishes, go to bed. You may think that you're going to do this forever. No, you're not going to do this forever. In a few 
years you will be gone. I sometimes scared to think about how many weeks I have left in my life. If you count how many weeks, if I live at 220 years old, I have only 60 years left. I hope God give me 60 more years. I'm 60 now, and 60 with 52. How many weeks left? 3,000 weeks left. Last night, Pastor Dan and I looked at each other's eyes. I couldn't believe it. We were in LA last Sunday. And now the whole week is gone. 3,000 weeks. Like this. Boom. Life is so short. And when you get out of this world, you're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And on that day, what matters is not how big your house is, what nice car you drive, what kind of job you have in your office, how much money in your 401k that you left for your children or you use all of them up and you say, I don't want my kids to get my money. I'm going to enjoy my life and use all of my 401k. It doesn't matter. It's your own business. I don't get involved with that. But all these things do not matter. On the day you stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, what matter is this? How much you love Jesus. How much do you obey him? And have you lived your life fully for the purpose and the calling of God in your life or not? Have you done the best? Have you run the race with faith and obedience to the end? I know and I know 100%. When I stand before God that day, I can smile and I can tell Jesus, Lord Jesus, in the past many years, I and my wife, Pastor Da, have lived our life for the purpose of God. We use everything in our life, money, energy, time, for your kingdom and for your purpose. I'm preaching this message to remind you that one day we're all going to stand before God. And we're going to have to tell him, have I laid down my life to spend and to be spent joyfully for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? We are talking about loving each other. We are talking about laying down our life for one another. We are talking about helping somebody to get healed, to get delivered. We are talking about using our gift and talent to serve brother and sister, help somebody to get back to God, the backslider, come back to God. We are talking about maybe helping some couple who have marriage trouble or problem to get back together. We're talking about helping somebody to take care of their kids so that that husband and wife can go out and have a date one night that their marriage will get better because you watch the kids for them. We're talking about you show love to somebody by cleaning their house because they get sick and they cannot clean their house. Go there and clean the house for them. Visiting somebody, washing the car for some body or fixing the car for somebody. Anything that you have done on this earth in love will impact you for eternity. The rewards will be in heaven. Our God is a good bookkeeper. He keeps record of everything you have done on earth here, not even missing one thing. Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. If anyone give even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth. Wow, he emphasized, I tell you the truth. He will certainly not lose his 
reward. A cup of cold water seem to be little thing, nothing. It's not like a one million dollars. It's just a cup of water. And God said, even you give a cup of water to your brother, you serve in little thing. You will not lose your reward. He keep all the record. When you visit a believer who is sick in the hospital, you do it unto the Lord. When you go on a mission trip to help somebody in another land, you do it unto the Lord. Amen. God record everything, little little things you do. You help stack up the chair in the back of the room at the end of the service, so that the Thai service come in the afternoon and have a clean room. You help sweeping the floor, washing dishes. God will never forget about that. You get the rewards in heaven. But before we continue, let me read Ephesians chapter two, verses eight to nine. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Ah, oh, this is a famous scripture. We are saved by grace through faith. Your good works that you serve in the church or serve one another doesn't give you salvation. Amen. Your salvation come only by grace, through faith. God graced you. God died for you for free, and you receive it by faith. But most people stop only verse nine. Oh God, I'm saved now. I just show up in the church on Sunday, one and a half hours, and do nothing about it. Jesus show up, and I will go to heaven one day. If I leave this world, I'm gonna be in heaven. I'm glad that I'm saved. But they forget to read verse ten. Let's continue to read verse ten, Ephesians two eight nine, and don't skip ten. Ten say, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Yes, we are saved by grace through faith. But the Bible says, "Don't stop there. Don't stop there. After we born again, we become a new creation. God recreated us to be a new person. God anointed us. God put blessing upon our life. The plan for our life is not just to be safe and sit doing nothing, waiting to go to heaven. But the plan of God is that we can do good works. We can serve. Amen. I'm glad to see that." Even Sean, who is on the wheelchair, can serve on Sunday to lead the care group. God can use Sean to lead the care group on Sunday to teach to help people. Anybody can serve to get involved in the church. But definitely, when we serve, we do good works. Don't do with a prideful attitude by saying that, "Oh, I'm superior to you. I'm better than you." And when you serve and do good works, don't expect anything for return. You just do it. Out of the love for God, I would like to read verse ten from Amplified Bible. For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do these good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life. Which he prearranged and make ready for us to live. 
very profound. God saved us not just to sit around do nothing, waiting to go to heaven. God created us with His hand to be His handiwork. Prepare us, predestine, prearrange, prepare us, ready to use you for the good works, and you can enjoy that good work and walk in it. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Example of Jesus Christ. He came into the world. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. You see, God gave good things to Jesus. He gave anointing and power and the presence of God. It stopped there? No. Jesus did not get good things from the Father and stop. The Bible says, Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus is a good example. He went out to do good things. We as Christians, we are saved by grace, through faith. But we don't stop just salvation. We should get involved in doing good works. Good work includes cooking for the church, stacking up the chair, helping the worship team, doing a soundboard, looking after the kids, changing diaper, helping arrange all the parking, parking in the park and ride and walk up to here so that our guests can have room to park, arranging the chair, the table, watching dishes after the lunchtime, arranging the room, serving in the care group. We get involved. We do all these good works to serve the brothers and sisters. Amen? Are you convinced now that you need to do good works? You just don't attend the church and do nothing. Amen? Why should we come to church? Now I'm going to go to the next level now. We know now we need to walk in love. We need to lay down our life for brother and sister. We need to serve, take burden out of people. Should we do that in a mountain? Should we just go to Mount Rainier and say, I'm going to do good work here, but just sit here and pray every Sunday. I don't need to go to church. I just stay home and pray and watch TV program. Why should we come to church? I want to let you know, going to church is not man's idea and man's opinion. Not going to church in itself is nothing wrong as long as you want to go. But if your attitude is everything else is more important than going to church on Sunday or in the church meeting, other extra meeting, you need to talk to God yourself. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to condemn you. You need to talk to God yourself and ask his opinion. And listen to him whether he say, yes, you are right or wrong. According to the Bible, he expects you to show up in a church meeting. And I'm going to read the scripture for you now. And you're going to see that that is God's idea, not man's idea. I learned one thing as a pastor. God gives people free will. No one can force you. Even God cannot force you. So if you don't obey God, forget about me. I cannot tell you what to do. It's between you and God. I'm here just to be example, to encourage, to teach and to encourage you. I cannot force you to do anything. It's your own decision between you and God, your choice. Okay? Now, let's look at what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, 22 to 26. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. I'm going to stop here. Verses 22 to 23 
talk about confidence in salvation. The Bible says we are saved, we believe in Jesus, we confess with our mouth, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and then His blood cleanses our conscience, He washes our life to be a holy and righteous Christians. And we need to hold on to that faith until we die. In other words, we don't want to lose our salvation by rejecting and denying Jesus one day. Say, okay, bye-bye, Jesus. I'm going to walk out into the world now. You need to hold on to our faith. Does it stop there? No. Let's look at verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Oh, I like the Bible. The same line of the teaching. And not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as it is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. My question is, is Christianity about you and God only? Sometimes I talk to some of my patients who claim to be Christians. My patients say, I believe in God. I'm going to meet God on the top of Mount Rainier. Every Sunday, I'm going to go up and climb and watch the view, the beautiful. I, I can feel God in the nature. I don't need to show up in the church. It's about me and God. Let me read one more time. Verse 24. <laughs> and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. True Christianity is about you, God, and your brothers. Let us consider one another. Is it about other people? Not just you and God? In order to what? Gossip about one another? Hating each other? No. In order to stir up love. And if you love, you lay down your life, you do good works. Well, I like the Bible. Everything flows together in the whole, every chapter in the Bible, the book of John, uh, the book of Acts. The book of Ephesians say the same thing, that we need to stir up. Is it my responsibility and Christian service to stir you up to love and do good works? Is it your Christian responsibility to stir me up to love and to do good work? Yes, according to the Bible, we need to stir each other up. We need to encourage one another to love and to do good works. And we can serve one another. Amen? Amen. When you see somebody else walking in love in a better way than you, you have two choices. The first choice, you became jealousy and envious. You give all the excuses and say, I don't like that guy. He's doing better than me. But the second choice, you look at that person who is walking in love better than you. And you say, wow, thank God for his life. He inspired me. He stirred me up. I'm going to go to the next level like him. And I'm going to do better than before. His life stirred me up to do better than before. Yes, God, annoy me more. Give me more. Bless me more so that I can be a blessing to other people more than before. I pray that you will choose the second one. To be stirred up by brother and sister around you. That's why I love to go to care group. And listen to all the great testimony, how God works in people's life, how people serve one another. Amen? Because I want my brother and sister to stir me up to walk in love and good works. 
And I stir you up to walk in love and good works. We go to care group. We come to church. We have a meeting and assembling together to stir each other up to do good work and to love one another. Amen. We should not have the spirit of comparison and competition, but we should have a spirit of helping each other to grow up in the way of the Lord. We go to church to encourage one another and to serve each other. We go to church and listen to wonderful testimony of what God did to people's life. We can go to church and see the miracles that God did to people's life. There's one sister in the Thai service. Every time I saw her, her life reminds me of the goodness of God. She came to our church five years ago with colon cancer, and the doctor told her that she's going to live only six months. The cancer already went out to her whole body. She came to church that Sunday. She received Jesus. We lay hand on her. She got totally healed. That's one Sunday. So she still come to church on a regular basis in the past five years. And every time I saw her walking, oh, stir me up to have faith. God is still healing today. God is still good today. You see, you just show up. You disturb me. When I see your life today, it stir me up to love and to do good works again. We come to church to bless one another, to encourage one another. If our church is so full of love and faith, the devil has no room to do anything here. If our church practice what we talk here, love one another, serve one another, your unbelieving friends and unbelieving relatives will be saved very soon. Because they see the love of God demonstrated to you. Remember, when Abraham received the message from God, "I will bless you, so that you will be the blessing to the nations." God bless you not just for yourself, but you can be a blessing to other people. Let's look at what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter four, verse seven. Are you okay? Ephesians four seven, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Every Christian has the gift, the spiritual gift, and has certain measure of grace. But that grace was given to you, not for yourself, for serving other people, to bless other people. You may say, "Oh, Pastor, I already give money to the church. That's enough for me." No, no, no. Every Christian should be a giver. You may say, "I'm a prayer warrior. I pray a lot." Yeah, yeah. Every Christian should pray. It's not just about praying and giving money. You should use your ability to help somebody. Use your gift, your grace to help somebody. Get involved. Amen. Not just praying and giving, but you should also use your talent and ability to serve and to. Minister to other people. Let me read Ephesians four eight to sixteen. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and gave gifts to men. Everyone say gifts. gifts. Jesus gave gifts to the church, like Christmas gift. How many people are expecting Christmas gift this year? I know my daughters expecting Christmas gift right now, and my son too. They're expecting the gift. But Jesus already gave gift to men. Now this 
He ascended. What does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he, listen carefully, himself. This is very important to understand. He himself, Jesus himself. Gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man or woman. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children or babies, tossed to and fro, and carry about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. I will stop here. God gives gifts: apostle, prophet, evangelist, teachers, and pastors. Five gifts: leaders in the church. I am the gift to this church. I'm not just a pastor; I'm the gift to this church. And a lot of people have misconception. Oh, I already pay money. I even sacrifice to come on Sunday to sit in the seat for one and a half hour. Pastor, you have the job to do visitation, praying for people, administration, preaching, praying. We come here to put money in the bucket. And you do all the job. It's a total misunderstanding or misconception of Christianity. My job is to train you, to equip you, to perfect you, to become like Christ, to be ready to do the works of the ministry. Who does the ministry? Me or you? <laughs> Who serve? You serve. What is my job? I'm a coach. I train you. I just talked to Pastor Dad that within next next few days, I'm gonna write the list of a group of men and couple that I like to meet them once a month next year to disciple them to serve God. I did already in the past two years with a group of people about six couples, and I see that they grow very quickly now. They start to serve. I'm very proud of them. So we disciple people to serve. We train people to serve the Lord. Amen. That's the job of the pastor is to train you to serve God, not just to sit around doing nothing. To continue to be babies. Everyone say, "I will be trained." I, will be trained. I have a ministry. Don't point finger to the next person. I have a ministry. I have a duty. Everyone say, "I have a duty." I have a responsibility. I have a service. The pastor. Teacher, prophet, apostle, and evangelist have the responsibility to equip you. Let me read from NLT, verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church and the body of Christ. Look at Amplify. The Amplify say His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints. His Consecrated people that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body. Who does the good work? You. Who trained you? Your pastor. 
trained you. Your, the apostle, prophet, evangelist trained you to do the good work. Let me read last scripture here. I try to convince you. What I'm preaching here flows all throughout the Bible. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light. This is not talking about the pastor or preacher. It's about every Christian. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Everyone say, good works. Who does the good works? Me. You. We all do the good works. How do we do the good works? Love one another, serve one another, bless one another, help one another. Amen? Should we do that as Christians? My brother and sister, I'm not interested in just having a lot of people sitting here to be a big church, to show people that we have a big ministry. My primary job is to make sure that all the believers who join this church as a member will be trained, will be used of God, and will grow up. My job is not try to do business, try to get a lot of people in to get money. No, no, no. My primary job is to train God's children. But thank God if somebody like this church and join this church and the church grow because more people join in. That's great. That is the bonus. But my primary job is to help the current members who join the church already to grow up. Amen? My calling is pastor, teachers. I'm not an evangelist. I am training you to serve the Lord. That's my job. How many people say, from now on, I will serve? How many people say, I'm going to get involved? Use me. You may not know yet what you can get involved. Start from little things in the church. Help. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that you remind your people in this house and all over the world who listen to this teaching that we need to lay down our life for one another. We have the Christian duty, Christian responsibility, the good works that you prepared, you predestined, you prearranged for all of us to walk in, to love, and to do good works. Lord, help us to understand that our Christian life is not just about me and God, but it's about I, God, and the brothers and sisters. Lord, help us to be diligent and faithful in going to the church meeting to serve one another, Lord. Help us, Lord, to find out our gifts and talents to serve you and serve brothers and sisters, Lord. Lord, when we stand before you at the judgment seat of Christ on that day, we all can smile and say, I have done my best. I fulfill my calling the grace and the gift you have given to me, I use them and I bless your people, Lord. Lord, I'm going to enter into the kingdom of heaven with the crowd of righteousness and the crowd of glory, Lord. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
if you're not a believer here, I just want to give the opportunity. Maybe even one person who are not a Christian. I want to give you opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. If you want to do so, or maybe you are backsliders, you have walked away from God for many months, and you say, "God, I want to come back to you, to return to you." Why don't you pray with me? Follow my prayer. Close your eyes and bow your head and pray with me. Father in heaven, I want to come back home, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sin. Lord Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to you. You love me so much, and I want to love you back, Lord. Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Take me into your kingdom. I want to become your son or your daughter, Lord. I come to you by faith. I receive your grace in Jesus' name. I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Can you give me a few minutes to explain something? Explain something. We just went down to California, and we lay hand and pray for people. And one brother who is not our member, he just came to observe. He talked to Pastor Da that, "Why your guy lay hand so much? Why you have to lay hand a lot?" Let me read the scripture. Hebrews chapter six. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principle of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Laying on of hand is the A B C. If you tell me, Pastor, I need lay hand only one time in my life and it's all done. Deal. I'm gonna answer you the same thing. Why don't you eat food one time in your life and don't eat again? Why don't you go to church one time in your life and never go again? You read the Bible one time, you you never read again. You drink water one time and you never drink again. You charge the battery of your cell phone one time and you never charge again. Will you do that? Christian who criticize that I lay hand too much don't understand the Bible. Laying on of hand is the foundation in the Bible for God to use a man of God or the parents to impart the blessing, the grace, the anointing, the fire, the healing, the appointment. Is the way God used to bless you? Let me ask this question: If I give you five dollars today, will you take it? Will you take five dollar for me? No one raise hand. I'm ready. And tomorrow I come by and I say, 
Oh, uh, by the way, brother, yesterday I gave you five dollars. Today I want to give you another one thousand dollars. You say no, five dollars is enough one time. I don't need any more. Will you do that? Or you say I get one thousand dollars. And the next day I come back and say, you know, by the way, I love you so much. I give you five dollars, one thousand dollars. I now want to give you one million dollars. Will you say no, 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 no? I need it one time. Five dollars is enough for me. Will you do that? No, you say, give me one million dollars. Should we do the same thing to our Father in heaven, who want to give good gifts to His children? And one way He can give good gifts to His children is through the laying on of hands. Believe me, I've been a pastor for 30 years now. Since I practiced the laying on of hand in this church, I noticed that the family is stronger, people are less sick, people heal faster. People have less financial problem. People who are gonna lose a job suddenly get a job back. A lot of good things happen because God pour His blessing upon His people through the foundation practice in the Bible, the laying on of hands. Amen. Now you understand my heart. I'm not doing this just ritualistically. No, I practice the Bible because I'm the father in this house, and you are my children. It would be very hypocritical if I know the Bible, but I don't pray for you and lay hand on you. Is that right? I know that laying on of hand is good, and this is how God bless people. And I don't practice it. I just want to go to my room and drink coffee. Then I steal the blessing from you. You parents, you can lay hand on your children. Husband, you can lay hand on your wife and bless her. Wife, you can lay hand on your husband. And bless him at home. You believe when you lay hand. You believe God bless my husband. Keep him in good health. Lay hand on your children. Bless your children to have good health. Amen. Don't go lay hand on the stranger on the street though. They they may think that you try to do something. So don't just you do it in an appropriate way. Amen. Hallelujah. Our church gonna follow this book. Not man's idea. This is the book, the Bible. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many people want to be blessed today by the laying on of hand? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'll pray for you, Pastor Dan. I will. Lay hand and pray for you. Trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at two zero six two seven five one zero four two. You may also visit our website online at www.newhopeinternationalchurch.com. To a m a l gathered in Your name, I live to you.